0: Welcome to Pope's Books, a macabre master's production. I haven't really determined on that name, by the way. A fun fact about me that anyone that has known me for more than five minutes will immediately recognize is that I read a lot. It's a hobby of mine, and I'm not really too picky with whatever it is I'm reading. One thing I pride myself on is an enduring love of nonfiction, however. I adore fiction books, as thematic and imaginative as they are. But real life is so crazy that a lot of times it's more interesting than fiction. The reason I'm doing most of this myself is not that I don't have some of the best co-hosts a Pope could ask for, but just that normal humans prefer movies. Beth and Nick, I'm sure they'll pop in from time to time, though. Much love to those two. In this weekly segment, I'm going to go into books I've been reading. More often than not, they will stay appropriate to the overall theme of Macabre Masters. A difference between this and Macabre Masters, though, is that this will be fully scripted as well. I'm sure you can tell by how I'm talking. It's quite a difference because Macabre Masters is uh, <laughs> its outlined <laughs> at most. The goal here is to give you a short overview of a book, themes I found interesting, scenes I found interesting, and who I think should read it. The goal is not to review. If it makes it on this list, it means I finished it, which is a positive review. In fact, I would consider it the most positive of reviews. In my opinion, the worst crime a book can commit is to be put down forever. Also, it occurred to me that I could go straight for the clicks, right, and go only with the current stuff, or old stuff that Hollywood is in the process of rebooting. I will not be doing this. It's my show, and my reading is eclectic. From 19th century books on witchcraft to German fairy tales, I read it all, and I'll go into as much as I can here. I hope that you find it helpful and informative. With all that out of the way, before we get into today's episode, which is The Postman, I wanted to give a short list of books that I really like. I'm not saying that they're the best books ever or that they're required reading, just that I enjoy them and revisit them often. Number one, City of Dreaming Books and Labyrinth of Dreaming Books by Walter Moers. A German book It's about a dinosaur that wants to be an author and acquire what is known in his world as the Orm, or ultimate inspiration. There are currently two books in the series, and I love it due to Moore's world building. It's like you're there, even though Bookholm and The Caves Beneath It are alien to us. Number 2, Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton. The movie is great, but the book is much more in depth and has scenes that they aped for future movies throughout the series. I disagree with a lot of Crichton's worldview, especially in regards to climate change, but Jurassic Park is a bona fide classic. Number three The Demonology of King James by King James. For anyone interested in the Inquisition of the Witches that ultimately led to events like the burnings in Salem and similar places, this is essential. James legitimized the entire enterprise, and the church still benefits financially and ideologically from the massacre. A secondary book to this is the Malleus Maleficarum, also known as the Witch Hammer, by Heinrich Heinrich Kramer and some other dude. I don't really care, they're assholes. But this is a manual for torture of witches. It's hard reading and impossible to forget that a lot of torture was sexual in nature and most of the victims of this Inquisition were female. I will be getting into both of these books in the series. Number four. Heaven and Hell, A History of the Afterlife by Bart D. Ehrman An exhaustive history of the concept of the afterlife, mostly as it relates to Christianity, this book carries the distinction of being written by a person with religious beliefs. They're actually deeply religious. Most histories of this nature are written by atheists. Despite this, Ehrman is balanced and critical and incredibly open about the whole thing. It is an amazing book and I strongly recommend that anybody who's interested in this subject matter checks it out. There's more, of course. This is just what I thought of off the top of my head. Some of those I'll go into here, some not, as they aren't really in the Macabre Master's wheelhouse. Uh, Something like the City of Dreaming Books just doesn't make sense here. Um, Although, if you place the lighting correctly on any scene, or place the shadows correctly in any book, anything can be macabre. This week, I'm going to start this off with a book that I read for the most time-honored reason in the universe. I thought the cover was interesting. See, I come from a science fiction household. Growing up, one of the single biggest influences in my life was my dad. My dad was and is into Star Wars, the idea of aliens, and even some supernatural stuff in horror. He got me started on a lot of the stuff that would be considered formative, the deep cuts. Alan Dean Foster, Arthur C. Clarke, Isaac Asimov, with Foundation. I'm not even sure if he read any of them himself. He either had the books or gave them to me and I got into them. One of the things the science fiction genre has on lock is its covers. Spaceships, other worlds, stars exploding. It's visually engaging. Horror, my other favorite genre, has never had this as a strong point and often the covers are not only bad but inappropriate for the contents. See, Girl Next Door, by Jack Ketchum. You know, I should cover that. Pun unintended, it was just written into the script, but it stays, damn it. So, picture this. I'm getting ready for an eight-hour stay in an airport, waiting for a flight to Georgia, and I'm scrolling through my Kindle. Now, this isn't really the place or time, but I'd like to note here that I'm not talking about the Fire series of tablets. I'm referring to the White, recently upgraded from an Onyx Books. To me, having an e-reader is like a statement. I take my lit fucking seriously. If you see someone with an iPad or phone, chances are you may approach them and the risks run as far as them showing you some lame-ass TikTok video. If they have a dedicated e-reader, you better leave the cinnamon rolls and cappuccino in the nightstand and back the fuck up real quietly. That is a Class A, Tier 1, verifiable, undisputable fucking dork. And unless you want them to start a podcast miniseries on their favorite books, you better not ask them what they are reading. Alright, so, airport, Kindle. Scrolling through my weapons-grade book head insertion tool, I see a book with a cool cover. It's there because I sideload a lot of stuff with the idea that I might want to read it later. Plus, I can say on my podcast that I have about 1,500 books on my Kindle, which I can assure you helps exactly zero with the ladies. Thank Christ I'm married. A man, by himself, walks away from the ruins of a city. It's very evocative of another post-apocalyptic series I really like, Fallout. The city itself was real swooshy and futuristic looking. It looked cool, and so I started the book. After all, I had eight hours to burn. I'm not sure I really knew what I was getting into. This happens often with books because one sentence elevator pitches so often lack when it comes to explaining what the book is about so this one I just went into, trusting David Bren that he wasn't going to waste my time. At the time, I did not know that it had been adapted to a movie that was originally published in 1985 or the plot. It simply had a cool cover. To give you the Cliff Notes version, The Postman is about a guy who was a student when the apocalypse happened, something to do with the MPs. A drama student, no less. This is important because his limited drama skills helped him survive, but also because he morphs into a Gordon Freeman-type messianic character by the end, someone who had no right to survive, but did, and they have the brains to follow through. Interestingly, the character is named Gordon Krantz. I wonder if there's some connection. If you don't know who I'm referring to, Gordon Freeman is the protagonist of the game series Half-Life. He is similarly ill-equipped to deal with the situation in which he finds himself, but prevails against all odds later morphing into a messianic character. I couldn't find a connection online, but it is interesting. R. Gordon is robbed in Oregon, outside of Bend, and later stumbles upon a dead postman from before the apocalypse. In need of clothes, he takes them from the dead guy and continues on his way. Later happening upon a settlement, he notices that the postman outfit gives him an automatic air of respect, is a symbol of authority in a lawless land, and he's utterly unwilling to take advantage of that fact until he realizes that hope is in short supply. Eventually, he goes on to make up a story about the United States working to reform. He forges the documents. He sets up an actual postal network between the settlements. The lie, in a way, becomes the truth. Along the way, he uncovers some nasty government secrets and some violent happens. I, I don't really want to spoil it. What surprised me was that the book was ultimately about hope and the blurred line between a harsh truth and a comforting fiction. I think that as humans, we can't be blamed for subscribing to whatever falsehoods let us sleep at night. Life has become this really complicated thing to live, and anything that eases it even a little bit can be seen as a blessed mercy, right? So we tell ourselves that Russia would never launch nukes, that whoever is in office has our best interests in mind, that God exists and cares about us. These might or might not be true. It's hard to know from the position of a normal person, but it's consolation against the truth of the fact that if we lose our jobs or run out of money we can be homeless, that our children or parents can get sick and die, and that 99% of people are ultimately out for themselves. These truths hurt when all we want is to live, prosper, and let live. One thing we do to help with this odd juxtaposition is that we invent symbols. At a certain point, the truth of the symbol is secondary. I mean, do you really think it matters if Jesus actually existed? It doesn't. Whether he was real or not, the man himself, bodily, did not endure. The symbol, the cross, did. The postman is about one such symbol. Much like Jesus or Luke Skywalker, he did not ask to become the symbol. But to a certain extent, the man behind the symbol doesn't matter. It is only the symbol. A rallying cry, a reason to fight. Side note. I noticed that I used man there earlier in the script and I tried to think of women versions of the same messianic type. And the fastest ones I could think of were Mother Teresa and Joan of Arc. Both are from a religious standpoint. We really need more female representation in the messianic field people. Get on it. Or maybe I'm just not aware of them and need to educate myself. A quick google search wasn't very helpful to me. On a side note, don't even get me started on transgender representation. Although, if you want a great book about somebody who's intersex, so it's not the same thing, but even books on intersex people are rare. Uh, Raptor by Gary Jennings is absolutely wonderful. Uh, The short version is it's about a, I think, Roman soldier who's intersex, and they use both sides to uh, pass as man and woman at different points, and it's just a great book. I strongly recommend it. Raptor by Gary Jennings. Check it out. Ultimately... I really dug The Postman, and I was glad that I stumbled upon it. It didn't go too heavy on the sci-fi, like Heinlein or Bradbury, but it stayed completely grounded. It was macabre in its way, with it being about the end of the world and all the societal dissolution that inevitably follows, but mostly it was a pretty optimistic book that you would benefit from having in your library. Alright kids, that's it for this week, I hope you enjoyed. Next week, I'm going to talk about Stephen King's new book, *Fairy Tale*, which I just typed out the script today, and I did not mean for it to be as uh, angry as it is, but it is. And I believe Macab Master is going into the grudge for the main cast. Before I go, I'd like to give a shout out to two YouTube channels that inspired me to dip my hand into this type of analysis, Noah Caldwell Gervais and The Salt Factory. They both mostly stick to video game journalism, but their content really inspires me to think deeper about the media I'm consuming. Both will be linked in the show notes. Additionally, I'd like to thank Beth and Nick, my Macabre Master co-hosts, who have been insanely supportive of my various side projects, and this is no exception. Thanks, guys. And Nick, I look forward to your series on local ghosts and cryptids. Yeah, guys, that was a little hint for something we've been talking about. Little top secret information you got at the end. With that, I leave you for this week. Have a good one.